Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 504 here on the run home. Welcome back. You're with Kim and Beevil. Thanks to McDelivery. McDelivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. And as it's past five o'clock, Beeve, I might just treat myself to another Fun Day Friday text. This one from Ted. Hi, Kim. Recently on a Zoom meeting, I told a joke and nobody laughed. Turns out I'm not even remotely funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tidy. Uh. Uh, very nicely done. That, very nicely done. That is very tidy. Another one in here for Beaver's Best as well. Get those picks in double eight double three from Simon this time. Like one for Beaver's Best. Italy plus fifteen and a half is the bet at a dollar eighty five. England one to twelve. If looking for a bit more spice, at three dollars twenty. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, because that one is in uh, Italy, I do believe. Uh, so you got to look at the point starts. I, like, I love a good point start when it comes to rugby and uh, these games where there should be a clear favourite. But uh, I, actually, I actually thought the TAB might have been a little bit more uh, generous on the 15. I thought they might have blown that out a bit more. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Is it England 15 points better than Italy? Geez, I'd hope so, wouldn't they? They would really, really hope so. I'll give you time to ponder just to uh, remind our listeners we are giving away double passes to day one of the Black Caps test against South Africa at Bay Oval on Sunday. If you would like to be in to win one of those, send us a text on double eight double three with the word test and your email. Do not forget the email part. That is word test and your email for a double pass to day one at Bay Oval between the Black Caps and South Africa. Fitting too because we'll be talking more about that very soon. Here is what's coming up on our Macca's menu. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. John Bracewell joins us on the show shortly. We also have our sporting predictions for the weekend. Our most colourful moment of the week that has been. We need to talk and of course it is Beaver's Best. That is with Mick Delivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. This is the Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. And fantastic to have John Bracewell on the line with us for our Macca's feature interview this afternoon. Braces, thank you so much uh, for joining us ahead of a big old weekend. Where do you sit with this one? It's fascinating, isn't it? The Black Cap South Africa, this much maligned South African side. Where's your head at in regards to this test at the moment? It's probably, uh, it sits in a position that says um, South Africa have thrown all their uh, weight into winning a World Cup. Uh, and they've been doing this for a while now, and they're going to follow a, a pattern of investing in their franchise world uh, in order to beef up their uh, their chances 
And they've been doing this through uh, the franchise world with IPL and, and getting in very close with them and building up not only their coaching resources but their playing resources. They are notorious chokers at, tournament, at tournaments at, at World Cups. Uh, they turn up there with a lot of potential and tend to fold uh, under, under, under the pressure of, of tournament play. And I think that they're trying to bury themselves into this, getting their players playing more franchise cricket, more tournament cricket, and become competitive to win a trophy. They'd, they've become so desperate to win a trophy they've kind of lost track of the realities of, of, of where cricket is. And it's a three-competition structure. Test cricket, World Cups, uh, and, and, and uh, in terms of 50-over cricket in 2020. So they've you know, put all their eggs in the one basket. Well, when you look at that, both from the, the Kiwi side, when you talk about the pressure that uh, they, they fall to at uh, tournament play, what about the pressure that goes on the Black Caps now when everyone's telling you and telling us and uh, for around the world there's headlines being made that essentially South Africa's sent maybe a C team, B team at best. What is it? I know the, the Black Caps aren't going to be saying, geez, we have to win this, look, they're sending out their C team, but uh, there must be just that little bit of, I don't know, a bit of fear of the unknown for the Black Caps and uh, knowing full well that they are expected to go out and, and do a job and do it pretty well. Yeah, well, there are two things there. Is one is um, like we can remember last year with the English netball side coming out, and uh, it was exactly the same scenario. You know, what's yep. the point in playing? The CEO yes. did something, and <laughs> it all got a little out of hand, and then all of a sudden, wow! You know, yeah. um, so we've got to be a bit careful about that. And and and, and there's one thing is uh, is 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 that. I think New Zealand have learnt a lesson from that in, in that uh, Kane Williamson has, has, has expressed the difficulties of playing a side that you haven't got a lot of information on. Mm. The New Zealand side are a side that uh, work a lot on uh, what they find from behind the scenes in terms of their scouting and putting together plans uh, and executing those plans. That's kind of how they've been successful. Um, the other thing is how New Zealand started the season last year, their, their test competition last year, where they got beaten by Bangladesh at the Mount mm. for the first time ever. Um, and that's a banana skin they didn't want to happen, and it did happen. So there will be a couple of things there that Kane Williamson and Gary Stead will want to get want to get right. We don't want to get down that trap of this is not a side that we want to play or should deserve to play and let everybody else spout out that rubbish. They're not going to play that game. And the other is... They're a New Zealand side that learns from lessons, and I'm sure that they will not go into this game with an attitude that they only have to turn up to win. Mm. You mentioned there, John, not knowing too much about the side they're facing. They had that three-day warm-up match uh, down at Lincoln for the last few days. Gary Stead there, of course, uh, watching on. How much do you think they can pick up from, from a warm-up like that? Yeah, they won't pick up a lot of data in terms of uh, weaknesses mm. because you're only getting a data of one dismissal, let's say, or, or mm. one or two shots. So you won't get a lot of data. So they, they will have to have some really good thorough debriefs as they go through each session and almost each spell. And that's the beauty of having somebody like um, Tim Southey um, and, and Kane Williamson back in the side. These are guys who they don't go to practice without coming away having learnt something. It's just naturally in their DNA 
to learn to share that knowledge, to pass that knowledge on, and that side has adopted almost that mantra. You know, we don't leave without learning. We don't leave without getting better. Everything is about improving. So they'll adapt quite quickly in terms of their IQ um, and, and, and making sure that they put those things into practice. They're also very good at executing plans, um, committing to plans and executing. So it won't take them long to adjust. But just like in all sports, you know, your ability to be able to perform early and stay ahead of the scouting is really, really important uh, knowledge to have. So that, that initial talent that you come into and, and everybody goes, geez, that guy can play. And then they start to look and study uh, faults and weaknesses and then they take advantage of those. So, you know, he doesn't kick off his left foot or he, he, he works his way to the left, doesn't pass well off his right hand. All those sorts of things. And the same, it's exactly the same thing. You know, he doesn't like the short ball. He doesn't hook very well. He doesn't play very well off his hip. Um, he commits too much outside off stump or whatever. Hasn't got a wrong in for a leg spinner or something like that. So you get all that information and, and those players usually have a great first season. And then everybody's got that information and they go, this is where his weaknesses are. These are his strengths. These are his weaknesses. The art is to stay ahead of the scouting. So to stay ahead of that ability for people to scout you. So you've got to recognise yourself where I'm weak through the experiences of test cricket or test sport. And you go, this is how I stay ahead of people scouting me. I must improve before they figure me mm. out. Now, Bruce, you're talking about plans there. It's fascinating to, to listen to and, and the detail that would be gone behind the scenes of the Black Caps. Who's going to be executing those plans? Because, uh, I don't know, for you, is there some selection toss-ups? Is, is, is there room for both a Santner and a Phillips? Uh, Jamison come through that game the other day. Does he go straight into it? What is a Black Caps 11 as far as the, I guess, the, the spots that aren't nailed down look like for you? Um, well, they're going to be um, uh, surface and, and, and historical. So first of all, um, like first thing in the morning, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, the first thing I want to do is get down there and see what that, the wicket looks like. Mm. Yep. Because cricket is a game that's, you know, it, it, the game is it can be decided on the toss of a coin, it can be decided on the weather, and it can be decided um, through the surfaces that come about through those things. Uh, it, it can give a, it can give the opposition a huge advantage, um, or it can give you know either side a, a huge advantage. So you've got to have a look at those conditions. You have a look at the weather forecast. You have a look at what scouting material you've got. You look at the skill sets that you've got to execute, and then you you put those all together to come up with your plan. You know, so at, at the at the moment, world cricket is at a, a funny dilemma. You know, you watch the Australian side, and they go really good side, but they basically have the same plan for everything. They don't actually change anything throughout their their, their, their structure. It's the thing that I love about uh, the way England playing their cricket at the moment, and Brendan McCullum going in and playing India at their own game on their own services, and saying, "I'm only going to pick one quick bowler, and I'm going to pick a bunch of spinners." and we're going to go and play the game this way. And you go, man, that's fascinating cricket. And mm. his players are buying into that. So every time you watch that England side, you're going, wonder what they're going to come up with today. And India are a little bit the same. I, mean, I know they're, they're spin dominant, but they've also developed a hell of a good pace bowling attack. Yeah. Um, they've got players that actually can vary the game in terms of the speed in which they bat. 
And I love watching those those sorts of teams, and that's why I love watching Kane Williamson and see how he actually adapts to each surface. Uh, Tim Southey, his ability to be able to adapt to each surface that he plays on with his experience of whether he goes cutters, whether he uses the crease, whether he uses swing, and things like that has held him in a hell of a good stead. And it's because they they never stop learning. They never stop trying to improve and get better. Um, so it fascinates me. Mm. Likewise, and you mentioned both England and the Aussies there, and I did want to touch on them given the recent tests that we have just seen that have both just been absolutely remarkable. The West Indies win, the England win in India. I I, I mean, obviously, a lot of talk of late has been around test cricket being at a kind of crossroads, given the proliferation of T20, given the number of leagues around the world, given how much they play and how much the top players end up wanting to play for them for that very reason. But the recent results, has, has that for you highlighted why cricket is so good in the purest form of the game? And do you think it is enough to keep the naysayers at bay for a bit? Yeah, it is. And I like... I. I... I liken the, um, this is going to be a, a tough one to, to, to swallow, but I liken the Australian side to the South African rugby side. You could actually kill the game with, with the way they play the game because there's no, there's, no there's no entertainment structure to it. It's just talent. But there's no, there's, there's no grow and show. Uh, it's the same thing every time. And they repeat it well, and they do well at tournaments. And South Australia are the same. So the West Indians coming in and beating them gave Test cricket a hell of a boost. Mm. You know, it got me flicking back to that channel from 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 the Indian game, um, which I found was incredibly fascinating. And I thought, no, he's, he's coming bowling again. He's hitting the same bloody spot. He's got that <laughs> hanky. That's you know, it's just repetitive. And you go, it's highly skilled. You know, we all wish we mm. could hit that hanky. But you go, man, it's given me nothing. Uh, it, it, it's, it, and then all of a sudden, you've got this young fellow no one can catch when he bowls somebody out. Mm. And you go, wow, what an injection. Uh, you've got, you got some left-handers in the West Indian side getting hit in the head, and then next ball, next ball they take on the pull shot. <laughs> and, and you go, man, they've finally started to show some character and move away from that mercenary chasing the dollar um, mm. through franchise stuff. And they put together a young bunch of kids who finally go, man, this is Clive Lloydish. Um, you know, it, 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 it was just such a great injection. And what I, what I loved as well, John, is with Shamar Joseph in particular, his story to me, you know, the background of he was yeah. a security guard yeah. a year ago. He comes from this tiny Guyanese Island that didn't even have internet access until 2018. Yeah. He was a domestic netballer last year. I mean, I, I love that it showed that actually there is still space in the game for fairy tales. Yep. And and Guyana is like you you go out of Georgetown in, in Guyana and, and no one's on t- internet. I mean, one of the great things about Guyana is in the inner city, there are still kids riding horses to school. Wow! Like it's just and and playing cricket in backyards and things like that. It's just a fantastic place. But we took a boat trip up uh, one of the um, uh, one of the uh, rivers that lead in towards the Amazon, and was up into the sort of the gold uh, mining areas. And and we went past this little place that had a, a, a pub, 
uh, well, you'd say it was a saloon. It was sort of like cowboy stuff. And on the and on the notice board was, please leave your guns at the door. <laughs> so like, you go, wow, you know. And this is and these are the areas that these kids come from. And you go, isn't what a, what a great story? Um, because they are pretty disadvantaged. They come from a pretty harsh environment, as as nice as we think that the West Indies is. And this kid's made it. This kid's made it through. And what a star he was! Just a natural entertainer, wasn't he? Oh, wasn't he just? I just you couldn't take your eyes off him when he had no. the ball in hand. And I was sitting at home watching with my husband, and I just I can't remember the last time as a neutral spectator that I was off the couch cheering for something in the same way that I yeah. was when he would get a wicket. Well, there is also that that advantage of it. it's a team that's going to be Australia. Okay, it's the Aussies, yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to say it. We were all thinking it, weren't we? We were all thinking it. It's fine. No drama. Uh, But I do like that because I think in high-performance sport a lot of the time now, you know, a, a, a lot of the stories and, and fair play and it's it's fine there's nothing wrong with that but it's those guys and the and the women who come through the development programs and the age group programs and they've been scouted at a young age and developed from a young age and come through the system and then they make it into the top team and that is a very valid way of doing things but th- there's just I love the romance of sport and I love the romance of a, of a story like the one we just discussed and you're talking about your own experience Guyana there just it actually gives me chills a bit because yeah. I just, it, like I say, it's it's the fairy tale, and what is sport without fairy tales? Um, and when oh, it comes exactly. when it comes to fairy tales, John, I tell you what, I've got my uh, fairy tale commentary team coming up for the test this weekend here on SENZ. You and and Jeremy Coney and Ian Smith all combining forces. How much are you looking forward to it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I haven't seen them for a, I haven't seen them for a while because I was away overseas for so long. Um, so, I, so I'm actually looking forward to a, a tackle, let's say, um, as you as you reminisce the stuff that you got to sort of what stays on to goes on to sort of stuff, you know, remember, remembering that all three of us played in the amateur era. So our, our, our leeway, our fitness levels, our uh, 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 the, some of the shenanigans that we got up to, uh, <laughs> are, are stories that remain stories uh, and almost folk stories in themselves. And when we reminisce, there will be a chuckle or two, I'm sure. Oh, I absolutely can't wait to listen out for those. I think there must be. Surely, there's a book in the works as well that can uh, regale some of those stories. But I will be listening with a huge amount of interest to the commentary starting from Sunday of course right here on SENZ all-star lineup uh, for this test against South Africa cannot wait John thank you so very much for your time go well uh, with the test call as well yeah I'm pretty excited about it as are we my friend as are we John Bracewell there that was our Macca's feature interview with McDelivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door